0: Good morning, everyone, and again, welcome to Encounter Church. We hope that no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life, as you're listening in, as you're watching in, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged. I love our team and how hard they work, both our family team, maybe even this morning as your kids are around, they go to EncounterChurch.com forward slash kids as they're watching in to the kids' service. Uh, I love checking them out myself. I mean, my kids love checking them out, but I love seeing them, and so While we miss being together physically, we know our team has worked so hard here to give your kids the experience at home. So make sure to check out EncounterChurch.com forward slash kids, and as you are listening in, we hope that you are challenged and encouraged as we worship, but also as we hear from what God wants us to hear from in this series entitled Rumble Strip. Just a few weeks ago, our pastor started off this series in Psalm 139, which these powerful three thoughts and these ideas that, number one, that... God is there. God is there. And God's aware and he cares. Those ideas found in Psalm 139 that God is not distant, God is not far off, that God is present. Even he's most present when we feel like he's not. I don't know where you are in your faith journey. Sometimes we sense the presence of God and we have this belief in God and this trust in God. And sometimes we're like, I'm not so sure Where God is in this moment, no matter where you are on that pendulum, Psalm 139, this journey that King David shares and writes about is a reminder that God's presence is near. He's aware. He's there. And God, beyond just his presence, he cares for you. We built on that last week to say one of the greatest challenges that we have as people is actually our thought life. And that rumble strip, that thing that kind of slows us down and shakes us up a little bit, sometimes it's just what happens above our neck, right, in our head. And so Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 and 9 we talked about uh, last week is this idea where he says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is excellent, whatever is praiseworthy, think on these things. We often don't think about the positive. We don't think about the God things. We think about the negative. We think about where we are in our journey, and there's so much in our brain that slows us down. Sometimes we are our greatest enemy. And so the three challenges last week was challenge number one, to be aware of your thoughts. Challenge number two is to correct your thoughts, right? Especially when there's things that are untrue that you're dealing with, things that are not true that you even have listened to them so long that you actually believe them. So how do we correct our thoughts? And finally, how do we replace those thoughts? How do we be aware of our thoughts? How do we correct our thoughts? And how do we replace them? We replace them with things that are true. We replace them with things that are excellent. We replace them with things that are pure. And the result of this, even last week as we looked at it in the message, the result of this, the end of this verse, Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, says the peace of God will be with you. Don't you want that? I don't know what you're, what you're doing right now, but I think you can even say out loud, yes, I want that. I want peace. Peace does not happen from unwholesome thinking. Peace does not happen from wrong thoughts, from lies. Peace happens when there's purity. Peace happens when there's truth. Peace happens when things that are happening upstairs in our mind and in our hearts that we're dealing with that are the right things, that are true things, that are excellent things. But man, we are. Our own greatest enemy at times. As we're building on that, we're going to be looking at the, the season of Thanksgiving that we're coming up to. I'm looking forward to it, even though it's going to look a little bit different for most people and their family gatherings not happening the way that they have happened in the past. Tradition will continue, but tradition will change. And so I know this, while this season of Thanksgiving can be challenging, can be hard, I hope and we hope here at Encounter Church that it is a tremendous blessing for you. But as we're dealing with and building on this idea of God's presence in our lives and what we can do to, to step into that presence even more... I want to share with you one of the greatest challenges that I have as a parent, that we have as parents, right? And if you're leading someone else in your life, one of the greatest challenges that we have comes from the frustration of not being thankful. Like, so we're stepping into the season of Thanksgiving, right? But what about when Thanksgiving is not present? As a parent, I know it's super, super frustrating to try to teach your kids to be thankful. You've been there in, the, in, the, in those moments when you're like, hey, hey, hey now, Josiah, one of my sons, say, thank you, Levi. Levi. Say, thank you, we're at a restaurant, and they're staring down at their food, and they kind of glance up, thank you, and they just keep eating. Or in those moments when they're not grateful, when kids are not grateful, and so we have to correct them and teach them, hey, you should be grateful. Hey, you should, right? Now, part of this, uh, give myself grace, it is very normal as a parent to teach that you need to be thankful, to teach that you need to be grateful, but it kind of lacks some authenticity when you have to say, hey, say thank you to your brother, say thank you to your mom. A Part of that's like, no, 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 just, just relax, because it's just training. Part of being a parent is training your children to be thankful. That's sort of like a mind thing, not a heart thing. Hey, someone just gave you something. What do you say? What is your response? Right, And so it's super challenging and frustrating when I don't see the gratitude that I want to see as a parent. But on the opposite side of that, there's also no greater joy. And I thought about this all this week, man, there's such an incredible joy when my children say, thank you, dad. I mean, those three words, I never, before having children, I never thought the power of those words and what they do to my heart and my soul when they say it. And I didn't just ask them to. It normally happens when we're like eating food or like, you know, downing an ice cream cone and and, and after a bite, one of the boys will say, thanks, Dad. And the other one always hears that and, and feels like right, compelled and natural to say, thank you, Dad. And you know what my response is? I don't know what your response is. Here's my response. I was talking about this with Rachel, my wife, this morning. I said, my response is always what? And she said, thank you for saying thank you. Like the gratitude that I have, my response towards gratitude is thankfulness. Like I just keep, even get chill bumps, like thinking about, wow, like thank you for saying thank you. It makes me feel good as a parent because I love you, because I'm meeting your needs, because I am your, your physical provider, and your emotional provider, so thank you. But it also makes me feel good that they actually said it, that they felt it, that they showed it. There's just such an incredible amount of joy that happens with gratitude. Now, in other times of gratitude, like I just flip that, that tension around, and I kind of want to like, like shake them a little bit when they're not grateful, or like pop them upside the head. Right. I mean, just being real with you, like, I just want to say, come on, on. you should you should be grateful. Do you know all the kids in the world? Not that I've pulled that string a couple of times. Right. Uh, Do you know all the kids in the world that don't have what you have? And I remind them as my parents reminded me because I needed reminded. Do you know how I grew up? Do you know how I grew up? Do you remember when I was your age? No, you don't remember when I was your age. So let me tell you, when I was your age, listen, I. And so there's this, this, this correction, this teaching moment. There's this tension around gratitude. But when it's present, what's at play? When gratitude and thankfulness is present, what's at play? What is it? What does this come from? Yes, there's a teaching component of it, but there's another side that's not teaching. It's just the state of your heart. It's you either feel gracious or gratitude or you don't. But what about when gratitude is not present? What's at play? What's at play? Two things I wrote down this week that what's at play when there's gratitude present and when there's not gratitude present. The first one is this, that our heart is either focused on what we have or what we don't have. Uh I know that you inside your home and maybe even it's not just a a child parent relationship, but maybe it's like a friend that you have that's always complaining about what they don't have. Or maybe it's a a work environment or work relationship. But you've seen this. Maybe it's even in the culture of where you work, the culture of your family. There's either an air of complaining about life because that's what we do when we get together. Or there's an attitude of just being gracious. So. The heart is either focused on what you have or don't have. You can't do both simultaneously. Like it's really hard. Even Jesus had, this, had this, this idea, this teaching, that what goes in comes out. If you make a tree bad, its fruit is bad. But if a tree is good, its fruit is good. It's hard to have one side of the apple tree have these nice, beautiful apples, and the other side of the apple tree is just empty, ugly, dead, cut it down, plant a new one. It's like you either have one or the other right now in your life, even in this very moment. There's something probably conquering like your space, your mental space, your heart space, where you're either feeling a season of gratitude, graciousness, or just a season of being down and depressed. And some of you can say, listen, these are the cards that I've dealt. I've heard some of your stories and I've heard, and you know some of these stories of people that live, not just in your home, but across the street co-workers that are going through tough times that have every reason to be down and discouraged and to really to feel like they're just ready to tap out. And there's, there are reasons to be down. There are reasons to complain. And there are people to complain about. There, there are circumstances where you find yourself defeated. And rightly so, I've been there too. So you can either focus on what you have or what you don't have. But it's really hard to do both the second thing is that the heart is either focused on what is good or what is bad not just the the physicalness because sometimes when we think about gratitude it's like oh my house that's a that's something that you can touch that's a tangible oh my relationship oh my my spouse oh my my children right it's it's something that's tangible but there's also the condition of the heart Where your state is right now, you're either focused on what is good or what is bad. And so what's at play when there's gratitude, when there's thankfulness, when there's thanksgiving? What's at play when there's not? It's generally not what you say, but it is the condition of your heart. Which is this tension going back to parenting. Like I want the condition of their heart to say, wow, my parents are good to me. And if you're a Christian, we're going to get this, build on this a little bit later. If you're a Christian, wow, God has been good to me. This is the, that recognition that there is good in your life. And there's even a be- more beautiful recognition when there's goodness in your life and you actually believe that you don't deserve it. There's this humility that comes over you when you just kind of sit back and you stop complaining for a moment and you go, wow, look at my life. Look at the the good things that I have. Look at the good things that are. I'm so grateful and I'm so thankful. Thankfulness is hard sometimes, but it also requires a discipline. Sometimes it is a choice because your circumstances are difficult. Your circumstances are challenging. There's reason for you to be down and discouraged and complain, but you can also make a choice, right? Sometimes you would say, well, it is a condition of the heart, but it's also a condition in your head where you wake up and you say, today, I'm going to focus on what I do have, which is part of maturity. Sometimes I'm gracious to my kids on this. Sometimes I'm just not. Sometimes I am tough on them and I push them because I see a heart attitude that is not right. And I want to correct it, right? But also, I've got to realize that part of maturing as we grow and as we get older and as we work through some of these things is an adult recognition, a mature recognition of the goodness in your life and the good around you. A nine-year-old hasn't quite lived long enough to see how good he's got it. You can teach him, you can remind him, but it's different. So we say, oh, adults have matured, right? All adults have arrived in this area of gratitude. No, no, no. Oh, no. Sometimes because of the difficulty and the challenge that we have in life, the older we get, the less grateful we become. Because we choose to see the bad, we choose to complain, and we choose to forget all the things in our life that are good. There's a powerful verse in scripture that I want to share with you today. It's short and it's got punch. The same Apostle Paul that we quoted last week that wrote a letter at the very end of his life before he would be martyred for his faith. He said these same words in a different letter in the New Testament, which is a recollection, a collection of books and letters on the life of Jesus and the life of the early church. And he writes to the city in Thessalonica, the believers that are there. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18, he says this. And I just love this verse. By the way, this verse was fresh to me this week. Like it spoke to me. I can't tell you how many times I've read it or read through it or heard a teaching on it. And I've taught on this verse a couple of times myself. But let me tell you, this verse was fresh to me this week. And it spoke to me and challenged me. And I believe it's going to do the same for you. This is We we call the Bible God's word because we believe as Christians that God spoke through the men that wrote these words. Like as they wrote, they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. And this collection that we call the Holy Bible, we believe is not just the letters and the writings and the penwork of the Apostle Paul and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those that knew Jesus, the prophets that foretold of Jesus coming. We believe these are the words of God. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Let me read it again to you. Read it with me wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Give thanks in all how many? All circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, so keep that on the screen, and you think, and you reflect that for just a moment. I kind of want to start at the end of the verse. The end of the verse says, this is God's will for you. That's a beautiful, beautiful reminder before we get into the, the giving thanks part. This is the reminder. As a Christian... If you are a Christian, you have faith. Maybe you've gotten to that journey in your life where you're like thinking about the future. And I've heard this a lot as a pastor. People wrestle over it. I wrestle over it too. Man, what is God's will for me? What does he want for me? What what does my job look like? What does my family look like? What does my community impact look like? Like what does God want from me? That's one of my favorite questions from someone that's following God. What does God want? What do you want? What is God's will for me? This is a great question. What is God's desire? What is God's plan? When someone comes to the recognition that I don't want to just waste my life. Like, I really want to do what God wants me to do. I want to say what God wants me to say. Beautiful. But this is the answer. This is one of the answers. This is not telling you what you are to do in your life, but this is God's holy will for you. Look at the statement. This is God's will for you. Now if you read that in a people in a group of people that have faith, you'd say, "What's God's will for me?" Read that again. I want to know what God's will for me is. Now, in Christ Jesus, I love this part. This isn't just good recommendation for humans. This is a good recommendation for humans to give thanks, okay? This is a commandment. This is a teaching. This is like an imperative statement. A little bit of my education background. Thank you, Miss Johnson, Ms. Key, high school teachers, right? This is not just an imperative instruction. You must give thanks. No, no, no. this is a reminder. This is what God wants for you. And if you're exploring faith, let me tell you, you would say, hey, I, I believe that's what God would want for me too. Like if, if, if there's a God and I'm considering thinking about following him and thinking about Jesus, like, yeah, giving thanks. Yes, this is a good recommendation for all people everywhere. But no, no, this is bigger than just a recommendation for you. This is God's desire for you. This is God's commandment for you. And it's possible because of Jesus. I don't know what you're going through, but I know that it can be very, very tough. And some of you aren't just in a season. You feel like you're in a lifetime of defeat. But there's a God who loves you. And he died on the cross for you. He was buried. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And he offered salvation as he defeated his own death. He offered salvation to you. And the Bible says that anyone, anyone who believes, anyone who believes in Jesus Christ can be saved. And that saved is from an eternity apart from God. You can be saved from death. And I love this beautiful teaching that we have in the New Testament that says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. That's a promise that when you die, you can spend eternity with God in heaven if you believe and confess your need for him. Confess your sin to God that you can be saved. This is God's will for you in Jesus. That it's possible in Jesus to live this life because of what he has done for you. He forgave you. It's possible to forgive. He's offered redemption. It's possible for you to be redeemed. He offered hope and it's possible for you to cling on to that hope today. So, It's easy in 1 Thessalonians 5, this verse right here. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus to overlook that. This is God's plan for you. This is God's desire for you. And it is possible because of Jesus. Now, the first part of the verse. Back to like the the kind of the meat of the sandwich here. Give thanks in what? If you remember, you said it out loud a few times, hopefully. Give thanks in all circumstances you're like no 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 it's that's a little bit hard right give thanks in all circumstances you bet this is not a bible typo this is not a recommendation this is a an imperative a declaration to give thanks in all circumstances because you can find the good to give thanks in all circumstances really literally means in all no matter what's going on in your life today, I know you can find something to be grateful for. No matter what has happened in the, the recent past or in this season of your life, I know that you can find the good. I know that it's possible to give thanks in all circumstances because he, there is a God who redeems the past. There's a God who loves you, who takes the tough moments and he turns it into something beautiful there's three challenges i want to sit on and really these are actions okay three actions that i want you to take three actions that i need to take i even wrote down in some notes in my journal this week how do i take these actions how do i live these actions out if this is the truth that we're focused on to give thanks in all circumstances this is what god desires for me this is god's will for me how do i really live this out because I'm telling you, not living this out and living in a state of ungratefulness, living in a, in a, in a lifestyle that's not thankful, it's hard. And it's like this downward spiral that happens when we f- go so far down that spiral that we don't see the good. We go far, so far down that spiral that we can't focus on what we have because we're only staring at what we don't. It's easy to give a child illustration there, but you and I are the same. Constantly thinking and dreaming about why the future can be better, why the, why, why the future should be better. Maybe even constantly complaining that you don't deserve where you are. Maybe a victim mentality, right, of just complaining about the state of where you are. Maybe in the workplace or maybe at home. It's so easy to be there. And I know you could raise your hand like me and just say Guilty. 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 In this moment, you and I can choose to change our lives forever by really living out this command. The first action I want you to take is this, that we must find the good and not wait for it. The second is we must recognize that goodness comes from God. And the final one is we must not only be thankful, but give thanks. So hopping on the first, we must find the good and not wait for it. I added, I wrote down this week, we must find the good. And later on the week, I added, not wait for it, because me, like I'm constantly thinking about the future. I'm, as part of my personality, I think part of my leaning, I'm constantly thinking about not just what Monday holds, but what, what Monday could hold. But also there's this inverse hap- that happens inside my heart of why, why am I where I am? Questioning, right? It's easy to like think that it's going to be better when, right? If I could just get through this season, if I could just have a new boss, if I could just have—I don't know how you would feel in this sentence, right? If I could just change. Hey, we're in a long season, right? Twenty twenty. So many things have happened last week. I'm like, and people are begin to from from journalism to things that you watch on television. Well, such as twenty twenty, right? It's like the cover all excuse for all the difficulty this year. Some of you are saying, "Listen, if we could just get through this season." and the coronavirus, right? This very, very long season that the entire globe is in. But no, 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 we can't wait for it. Like there's good today because it's a choice. We have to discipline ourselves to see the good. And this is the same thing I do for, the more I thought about my kids this week, the more I just thought about me, I'm the same. Like I have to discipline myself to focus on the current good and not want and wish for and wait for a different future you hear that you cannot want you cannot wish for and you cannot wait for a different future because let me be honest with you it might not come I'm not trying to be uh, take away the hope I'm not trying to take away the belief in the future but what if it doesn't change what if it's you that has to change what if the future doesn't change because it might not what if your circumstances won't change and don't change How could you change your circumstances? And this is your responsibility around this idea that you must find the good. And so write it down. Write it somewhere. Like, say it out loud. I must find the good. And don't start this tomorrow. Start it right now. How do I find the good that's in my life? I want something greater than you just finding the good. I want you to recognize that it comes from God. That's why I said second, we must recognize that goodness comes from God. And this is where I go from saying the first line, anyone on the planet listening today, I think, for the most part, would believe in that. We must find the good. You can have a theoretical conversation around circumstances you could have a theoretical conversation around the condition that people find themselves in. And yeah, I understand. But listen, in principle, I think everyone agrees. We must find the good. not wait for it, okay? But this one, the second one's different. The reason I say it's different because not all people have the same faith. For Christians, I, I, there's this powerful, powerful verse. And if you're not a Christian, if you're not someone who believes in Jesus yet, and you're exploring faith, I want to invite you to this idea and this idea around in the Christian faith that we say, All good things come from God. There's a scripture in the book of James that says, every good and perfect gift comes from above. Like there is a creator and he is good. And my conversation with Rachel, my wife this morning, she even quoted a scripture to me. I don't remember the psalm, but it's made many songs today. In fact, it had a little flashback to like, I don't know, 1991, Michael W. Smith, old Christian artist. I, I say, oh, he's probably still singing today. I don't know what's going on. But, for thanksgiving comes when we recognize that it is God who gave. The scripture is that his love, the end of the scripture is that his love endures forever. So, what's the, the, the correct, the verse? Uh, the verse? To give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. So the reason we give thanks is that we recognize all the good things actually come from him. And so in that moment of the boys having an ice cream cone in their hand and they look once and they look to me and they say, thank you, dad. They recognize that I bought that ice cream cone. They probably did not have the notion to go find the ice cream company and say, dad, can you find the ice cream company's number? I want to call them and tell them that they did a good job. Dad, can we go back to the register? I kind of want to say you guys scooped it very well. I mean, it's just that kind of sounds silly, but they've never done that. But they realize that I'm the one that bought it, and so they said thank you. Nothing's wrong with calling the ice cream company. I've never done that. In fact, I've never even thought about doing that until this morning. Like, I've never done that. I've never called up Mayfield. I've never called up Turkey Hill. I think that's the name of the company, right? That just sounds funny. Whatever the company's names are, I don't call them to say thank you. But this is so powerful is when we recognize that the good in our life comes from a God who is good, which is why the scripture says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Wow. The recognition that goes beyond saying thank you to people around you. And it actually goes back to God. I imagine that God feels the same way that I feel when my children authentically from their heart say, thank you, Dad. When you say, thank you, God, and you mean it from your heart. There's something powerful that happens that this is an act of worship. This is an act of worship from you to God's heart when you recognize that all good things come from above. The things that you have are a gift and a grace from God. The breath that you have is a gift and a grace from God. The final one that I really want you to sit on this week that's going to build on the challenges is that we must not only be thankful but give thanks. Remember at the beginning, I talked about like this thankfulness that actually comes from like a condition of our heart. You're either grateful or you're not, right? And if you're focused on the bad, you're focused on what hasn't happened, you're focused on what hasn't come yet, and you're wishing and wanting and waiting for the future to be better than, it's really hard to be grateful. So you're either today, right now, in this moment, grateful for or not. It's a condition Of your heart, which is why this instruction we must not only be, which is a state of inside what's in your heart, what's inside your mind. Being thankful is good. And I don't know about you, but that that may not be a challenge for you. You may right now, in this very moment, say, I am grateful, but I could, man, uh, listen, Pastor Jason, I could make a long list of all the things that I'm thankful for, okay? But this verse does not say when i think about this verse be thankful in all circumstances it doesn't say that so that's not the challenge is is being grateful that is the foundation in this challenge the the instruction the imperative is that you give it now listen this is like physically giving like imagine like i'm holding something and i give it to you so being thankful is a challenge but giving it is the instruction and this Thanksgiving season, I wonder what it looks like for you to not just be, but to give it. So the questions that I want us to wrap up with, maybe these are conversations or questions that you're going to have and reflect on yourself. And you're going to write down maybe this afternoon, maybe in conversation with family, or maybe in a, in a group that you wrestle with these challenges as you take a step this week. But the first question is this, what's, what's a greater challenge for you? Is it being thankful or giving thanks? You may say, you know, I kind of want to give thanks, but I'm kind of ungrateful. I have a tendency to think about the bad rather than the good. So your challenge this week might not be to give thanks. It might actually be to like work on the heart a little bit, to be more thankful. But if you would say, like I mentioned a few moments ago, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of things that I can really be thankful for. And I am thankful for But maybe your challenge is to actually give it. What does it look like to give it? The second question is, how can I show gratitude using my presence and my words? There's a lot of different ways to show gratitude. And maybe even the question behind the question is, what does it look like to give it? The two things that I wrote down this week is your presence and your words. Presence looks a little bit different in 2020, right? Because of gatherings. But your presence in someone else's life matters. And that can be a phone call. That can be coming and sitting with someone that you haven't sat with for a long time. That could be spending an hour of your time sitting down with someone rather than the 15-minute usual. And what does it look like to use your words? One of the most powerful ways to give thanks, not the only way, to actually give that thankfulness is with your words, your, craft, your crafted, kind, intentional, thoughtful words. You can probably re- recall, like I can, some incredibly powerful moments when someone said, Jason, you know what I'm grateful for? I'm grateful for the way that you love my kids. Jason, I'm grateful for the way that you have encouraged me. Like fill in the blank. Like you can remember those few moments when it wasn't like good job today. Not that that's trite or lack of meaningful, but it's easy to say good job today and walk around. Hey, good job on that presentation, whatever. It's easy to just throw the words out there. But you know those moments when someone's given you their presence and they really thank you and it's powerful. It kind of makes you stop in your tracks. When you look at someone and say, hey, can I tell you what I'm thankful for? I'm not just thankful. I'm gonna give you my gratitude. Physically, if, if it were tangible, if gratitude was tangible, you take it in your hands and you put it in someone else's lap. And you say, here. So the last question is, who should I start with? Can I give you the first answer on this one? I hope that you'll start with God. Like the psalm that I mentioned earlier, give thanks, give thanks. Not just be. There's plenty of scriptures and psalms and stories about being. But no, no, this is giving. Like give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Like it's eternal. God's not going to give up on you. God is faithful. He is not faithless. You are faithless. I am faithless. He is faithful. He'll last forever. He's constant. He is the one that's good. So start with him. But who's the next person? Who's the next person that you can say, you know what I need to do? I need to give more thanks to my spouse. I need to give more thanks to my children. I need to give more thanks to my mom. I need to give more thanks. Who should you start with? So no matter if your challenge is the being thankful or the giving, take a step this week. Use your presence and your words and write down who you're going to start with. Write down the name of that person. And I hope the first person (laughs) is the person of God. Giving thanks to him the next person write down their name and this week give thanks so when we say happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving get that cut and paste caught on your text message go go ahead you know the 38 people you're going to give it to think hey happy thanksgiving no no go beyond that nothing wrong with the text message okay Nothing's wrong with your Facebook post, but give it to somebody this week. Give it to God and give it to somebody this week. You have someone to be thankful for and you could be one of the greatest blessings once you give it to them.